Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff. That's me. Three and Out Podcast. That's the show. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Thanks a lot. Couldn't do this without you. Hopefully you're having a good Friday, good Saturday, if that's when you're listening, or whenever you're listening. I'm I'm here for you. Um, And here's the plan. Lamar Jackson, the Giants, Sean McVay, the Jets. If I'm a Jets fan right now, I'm getting pretty excited. A lot going on. Geno Smith, we will dive into it all today. I will put out a mailbag this weekend. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram. Fire in those direct messages. Get your question answered here on the show. Very, very easy to do. And then next week's going to be a free agency. Buckle the you-know-what up. Because it's about to get crazy. Um, And I'm excited. Good times. The the free agent class, obviously, a little hit or miss. But I think we always know there's mayhem. I mean, every single year. A lot of stories. A lot of stuff floating out there. I got you covered here on the podcast. I'll be posting Instagram reels, YouTube. We, We got you. Uh, if you like golf, obviously the Golo Pod it usually does not show up on Colin's feed. It's just on this feed. So if you like golf, Golo Pod, you got to listen on the three and out feed. Appreciate everyone that's been listening. It's been going great. Very exciting times. Players currently going. Got some bets going. So buckle up for that one too. Might hopefully get a little richer come Sunday. Uh, but yeah, football talk. Let's do it. Can I tell you about my friends at Game Time? This spring, this summer, you want to go to an event? You want to go to a baseball game? You want to go to March Madness? You want to go to a concert? You want to go to a comedy show? I got you covered. Here's what you do. Go to your smartphone, download the Game Time app. When you do sign up, use the promo code John, that's my name, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off any pair of tickets. Concerts, comedies, like I said, you want to come to spring training, Arizona? Still got weeks of it. Uh... The uh, the baseball classic is going on right now. See some of your favorite prospects. If you're in Florida, if you're in Arizona, playing for the big league teams, obviously all summer long, NHL games, NBA playoffs, Final Four, you name it, they got you covered. Game time right now. Download the app. Promo code John, $20 off. You're going to go to an event. You got to use my promo code. I got you covered. My gift to you for listening. I appreciate you. $20. Sign up right now. Download the app. Game time. Promo code John Joeyton. Okay, Lamar Jackson. All the headlines. If you go onto the interwebs, if you go onto the Bird app, a lot of anger. Everyone in the media, all the former players are so much outrage. It's I want to say it's laughable, but the reality is it's predictable. And, And listen. What makes football and just pro sports in general such a unique billion-dollar industry is all the assets are people, right? I guess beside the stadiums. But the main assets, the $100 million, the $200 million assets are players and are are human beings. 
So I, I get it. It makes it emotional for those people. But I don't understand how the people that cover the league and the former players, especially older guys in their late 30s, early 40s, that have been through the ringer in the league, get so emotional about it. Because this is not just a business, it's a massive business. And when you make biz- big business decisions, you know, the, I, like you could argue take the emotion out of it, easy for you to say, easy to say on the outside. Well, the teams do it, at least the well-run teams. What did Bill Belichick get credit for for so long? And I'm not even talking specifically about Lamar Jackson. But anytime that you deal with a contract, a big contract, and in football, that means a lot of guaranteed money, you have to be somewhat emotionless because this is the business you're in. It's about balancing that money on a thing called a salary cap. You you could look at it much differently if, Football was baseball and there was no cap, even though in a weird way there is because of this, of the tax that they have in baseball and even basketball, which is a soft cap, has a massive tax. I see it with the Warriors who pay a lot of money in luxury tax because they go over it. Football, it's hard cap and you have to fit your roster under that. It's if you're listening to this, you know that. But signing these massive deals are complicated. And what I find the funniest part about this whole Lamar Jackson situation and really the the reaction to it is just last year, we all agree one of the dumbest, stupidest contracts we've ever seen, Deshaun Watson. Everyone wants people to give Lamar Jackson more money than that. Even though Deshaun Watson, who you could argue even when he was playing well, was probably slightly below Lamar. He had moments where he was slightly above. That contract is atrocious. And then another guy who, over the course of his career, is dramatically better than both Super Bowl champion, had been to another, who had been just a perennial pro bowler every single year, and until a finger finger injury, had never missed games, was one of the most durable people in the league. And beside his questionable charity, character was five-star. Everyone's laughing at Russell Wilson's contract. All these people in the media, all the fans, all the former players, all talking shit about both. Yet when it comes to Lamar, like, pay him his money. Well, yeah, that's hard to do when he wants $240 million fully guaranteed. You go, well, the best player in recent memory, Patrick Mahomes, got $450 million. Yet none of that money remotely is guaranteed. It was like, I'm pretty sure it was under $150 million. And he's dramatically better than Lamar, dramatically better than Deshaun Watson, dramatically better than Patrick Mahomes. But the Lamar Jackson situation is difficult. It is complicated. Is he a premium player when he's on the field? No one argues that. Is he really good and worth a lot of money? Of course he is. But... These situations become complicated because you have to pay them a lot of money and trade multiple picks. But here's the other thing. The amount of lying that goes on during free agency and during the draft, we all know. We talked about it for a long time. It literally has, uh, uh, we, we call it something specifically. It's called lying season. Yet when this situation is happening, 
We know a bunch of people are lying. All these teams that are already tapping out before they've even got involved. Everyone's like, oh my God, how is this possible? Why do you believe any of them? You know, one of the problems with just the, the amount of social media and we have so many different channels to consume everything is the teams know this. And I think two industries specifically, uh, sports teams and politicians now use the media <laughs> to, to, to just carry out their lies. And I don't blame them because they, they don't care. They, all they care about is doing the best for their individual business whether you're the Ravens or whether you're the Falcons or whether you're the Carolina Panthers and everyone on the outside who's up in arms, it's like, guys, can we just let this situation play out? Now, there is a massive red flag. And as someone in the NFL brought it up to me, why would the Ravens or why are they unsure about paying him? And last year, I've often said that the number was like 160, 170. I read somewhere today that it was $133 million guaranteed and $250 million total before the season started in the offseason. And Lamar turned it down. Now, essentially, $133 million in guaranteed at signing. With a guy like Lamar, who you, dra- who you have drafted, more than likely, and you see this with so many quarterbacks, you end up making much closer to the 250 than the guaranteed money because they're not going to cut you in a couple years. Because of the way that they have to amortize your contract over the cap, you end up playing it out if you're just a solid player, let alone a Pro Bowl-level talent. And Lamar Jackson declined that. And now he finds himself in this situation after just playing 12 games and having, for his standards, a pretty poor season. And then during that time, during last season, we have recent examples of several guys, many athletic quarterbacks, who are all viewed as disastrous contracts. And they're all over the map, right? Kyler's viewed that for now several reasons. One, character slash he's injured. Deshaun viewed that as like, who would pay that much money and trade for a guy who hasn't played football in a long time, who's also dealing with 7 million massage therapists, allegedly, off the field. And then Russell Wilson, no problems, no issues, but now looks to be declining. And they all got, you know, especially two of the three of them got traded for a lot and then paid a bunch of money. And it looks like utter disasters. So I don't blame teams for questioning, should I allocate $200 million for someone with question marks? And right now, Lamar's question marks are health. He's played 12 games each of the last two seasons. Do the math. Miss some games. That That's an immediate red flag. Durability is important at the quarterback position. Here's the other situation. I am not pro or anti-agent. Now, In my industry, I once upon a time had an agent. I've never had one since because looking back, I didn't need it. I could have just negotiated the deal on my own. But the amount of money, and that was almost a decade ago, that that was pennies on the dollar. We're talking $100,000. So that, that is nowhere near comparable to Lamar Jackson's situation. Now, I think most people listening to this, especially if you're my age, in your 30s, maybe you're doing well in your 20s, and definitely if you're older, have purchased a home and you've all dealt with real estate agents. My position on a real estate agent has dramatically changed, I would say, over the last four or five years. I'm currently dating one and I see what she goes through, the the work she puts in for her clients. And I, because I used to think like, why do you even need any? Why do I need a real estate agent? Well, because the majority of people are not going to be able to do everything you need to do to maximize the value of your home, especially in a time like we're currently sitting in, which is much more difficult to sell a home. 
So their value, you could argue three, four, even two years ago when times were humming, we could argue it. But when normal times, which we're currently in and we're going to be in for a while, their value is really important. And especially like if I have a condo for $100,000 in some crappy area, could I sell it on my own if I want to allocate some time and resources to it? Probably. But if I have a home worth 10, 15, 20 million dollars in some premium area in Malibu, in Troubadour in Tennessee, in Jupiter, Florida, I probably want someone who knows what they're doing to maximize the value because of the amount of money we're talking about. So like Richard Sherman and Bobby Wagner recently negotiated their own contracts. Both guys well over 30 and both guys were on their third contract of their career. So they had experience in negotiating contracts with an agent, understood the landscape of it, and then did their own research to be able to handle their third contract, which was obviously less than the most money they had ever made previously. So I I respect that. In their shoes, I understand not having an agent. But if I was Lamar Jackson, just like if I was any human being and I was dealing with an astronomical amount of money in a situation where I don't know the ins and outs of contract negotiations. Charles Robinson of Yahoo wrote a fantastic article on this. When you are dealing with what he's asking for, over $200 million in guarantee, to even have those conversations is not with the coach and the general manager. Obviously, they play a role and they're going to give their say on it. This is an owner decision. So guys like Tom Condon and Drew Rosenhaus and the top agents, you know what they have? a direct line to every owner in the NFL. And I'm probably leaving out other agents that are high level that have dealt with owners for years. But those are the two that come to my mind. And in this article, he wrote like, these are the type contracts that get done when sitting with the owner on the yacht or at the country club. This is an owner decision because we can argue it's archaic and it is. It's a rule. When you sign these guys, the true guaranteed money you have to have within two weeks at the point of signing. So several years ago, when Matt Ryan signed for over $100 million in true guarantees, Arthur Blank put that into an escrow account immediately. So when you're talking about Lamar and that number, even if he signed for 230, I think I saw that the the Deshaun Watson number was actually like 180, but $180 million has to be able to be put into escrow immediately. We are talking historic amount of money for the NFL. Here's the thing. The, the, these media people and definitely these foreign players like, oh, the, the owners just want to save money. No, that's not the way it works. Do you, you see the salary caps of all these teams? All these teams spend the money. It's how do you want to allocate the money? Like I said, this is a business. And in your salary cap, $225 million is a pie chart. And how we allocate that money over a two or three or four year period especially if we're a high-level organization like the Baltimore Ravens are or like some of these other successful teams are, dictate whether we're going to sustain success or not be successful. Think of the most successful coach of the last 20 years, Bill Belichick. Now, he had the benefit of Tom Brady taking less, but he constantly made good economic decisions with getting rid of a player too early before a year too late. Now, Andy Reid benefits now from having Patrick Mahomes, who signed for a deal Way less than what Lamar Jackson wants, but they constantly do that too. Last year, they got rid of the Honey Badger. They just got rid of Frank Clark. Last year, they traded uh, Tyree Kill. They have made calculated risks. 
And that's all this is. We're taking calculated risks when you sign humans. Because unlike most of our businesses, that you can put the the revenue streams on an Excel spreadsheet and be pretty numb to this. You're dealing with people who at any moment in this sport can get injured. I see a lot of people going, all the contracts should be purely guaranteed every penny. Well, I'd say this. The NFL by far is the healthiest business of the three major sports in this country. Sorry, hockey. You're fourth. And I like hockey. I've been watching a little bit more is that the NFL with non-guaranteed contracts leave these teams' ability to constantly be fluid and constantly be changing in a sport that just has the most injuries. Is that the most fair to the players? No. But is it the healthiest thing for the sport, for us as fans, for us that consume the league, for ultimately the health of the league? Because still these players are getting paid historic amounts of money. And unlike the NBA, for example, you pay 53 players. Now, obviously not all 53 players make 10, 15, 20 million dollars a league, but more players now than ever are making 10 plus million, are making 15 plus million, are making seven plus million. So more money is getting distributed out than ever before. Still, even with the fluidity of the non-guaranteed contracts, which obviously leads over time to turnover, which is the healthiest thing in this sport, because unlike basketball, most guys are not just going to have a 17-year career where they don't get injured that much. That's not the way it works, beside quarterback. And then this specific quarterback has been injured. But this goes back to his mother is his agent. So the amount of money that we're talking involves owners to get involved. Well, and even let's just, I don't know his mom, but let's assume she's a high-level woman. The chances that she is equipped to do this and handle this seems extreme, given that there are only a couple people that are equipped that surrounding the NFL to use these type deals. As Charles Robinson wrote in his article today, talking to just different people around the league and agents, there are probably less than eight agents who you'd even feel good about negotiating a contract of this status. So Lamar's at a disadvantage just given the way he set himself up. You should never whether you're selling real estate, whether you're selling a business, whether you're negotiating a contract, if you aren't equipped to handle it, it behooves you to pay someone a couple points, aka a couple percent, to handle a nine-figure deal. Because most of us will never negotiate that much, even if we're a player. Hell, I know people that have sold businesses for $50 million, $100 million, that get people involved, specific lawyers for that specific industry, because they negotiate the deals. They're like, I- I've never done this before. And these are businessmen. And-, and they need someone to negotiate either an acquisition or a sale. It's the way it works. And I-, I feel like Lamar Jackson's been at a disadvantage because of this situation. And I'm not, I would lean more to be anti-agent. But this situation has kind of jumped the shark when we start getting to the numbers. And then, like I said to begin with, the numbers in which we originally started talking about the Deshaun Watson money, Kyler Murray contract. We laugh at those contracts. So it's like, why doesn't he deserve the money that these guys are getting paid that are disasters? And then last but not least, Lamar Jackson is a good player. And this notion that these teams put out these statements to these reporters and everyone took it at gospel, like I said, was laughable. It's lying season. These conversations, a lot of these teams are interested. And when I say interested, they're kicking the tires behind the scenes. 
They're going, how much would this cost? What would we have to give up? Half the teams that probably acknowledge that they were out, they're fucking lying. Do we have to see this every single year? How do we fall for this over and over? I, I just don't understand it. Now, does that mean that they're going to do it? I don't know. Because giving multiple first-round picks, whatever. I, I would always give multiple first-round picks for a really good player. But if he won't sign a contract for anything less than $230 million guaranteed, that, that's going to complicate things. It's why I don't blame the Ravens. Like, how could the Ravens give him the exclusive tag? Why would they not? Okay, Lamar, you, you think you're not worth what we're offering you? Go get a better offer. See what you can do. Like I said, like everyone knows, that this isn't fucking Little League. This is a billion-dollar business. That's good business. You don't just cut the check for the most amount of money possible because you should, because the public outcry. No, not if you question, is this the right move? It Would he actually get this on the open market? We'll get into Daniel Jones here in a second. Was that the right thing to do? Of course not. But teams like the Detroit, Detroit Lions and Houston Texans would be not doing their job if they aren't interested in this. Now, the number one thing, and I mentioned this earlier, why are the Ravens cool with punting on this? If they are, because they've been outspoken about how they want Lamar Jackson on their team. Now, if they actually trade him, was it just simply, you know, because of the ledger and because they wanted to get rid of the contract? Or did they go, we don't think this guy can stay healthy? Or it's like, we don't think he's ever going to be as good as he once was. And you got to try as, you know, as hard as it might be to gather some of that information internally in their building. But if I'm the Lions and I got multiple first-round picks, when you have to trade two first-round picks for this non-exclusive tag, it doesn't say what pick you have to trade. The Lions can use their top 10 pick on whoever they want and trade their first-round pick, which was right, I think it's right at the end of like 17, 18, 19. The Houston Texans, they are loaded with picks. They have the Browns pick this year and next year. They could use the second overall pick on Will Anderson and trade their pick. And then next year, trade the Browns pick. You know, trade the Browns pick both years, right? Depending on whichever one's higher. So the, if you think these teams are not doing their due diligence, are not putting together packages and figuring out the total cost, th then you're just as bad as all the people screaming and, and bitching on Twitter. Now, does it actually go down? There are a lot of variables to this. I, I would not be cool with paying him $230 plus million contract. I, I don't think that's good business. Now, if I get him for $150 million, 100%, I would do that in a heartbeat because that's what the top players have been getting. I don't care what Deshaun Watson got. That's the dumbest contract, in, you could argue, in like the history of sports. So it, this situation is not going to go away anytime soon, but I think it's very disingenuous to compare, well, if Daniel Jones is making this and Lamar Jackson tells you all you need to know. Yet Lamar Jackson would have blown by him last year, but he told him no. The, the Ravens would gladly probably give him $140, $150 million right now. He won't accept that money. So comparing Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson is just trying to get a reaction because that is just, that's just stupid, you know? Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, 
The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Get off the bench. Bet the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel's giving new customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets. Doesn't matter if your first bet is an air ball. You'll get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Okay, all on a top-rated sportsbook app at FanDuel that's safe, secure, easy to use. Don't miss out. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Colin, FanDuel.com slash Colin. Then place your first bet, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana. Call one 800 327 or visit www.ma underscore helpline.org slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW YORK or text HOPE-NEW YORK 467-369-NEW YORK. 1-800-522-4700-WYOMING or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. I think the Giants tried to have their cake and eat it too. And they did, ultimately. Their problem was they just way overpaid. I get it. Their two big free agents were their quarterback and their running back. And it's not just any quarterback. A quarterback that they once drafted in the top 10, and it finally took till his fourth year to become a really good player. Really good to be strong. A solid starter. And then their star running back. Now, running backs are complicated, right? Because... Like Deshaun Watson, we make fun of long-term contracts on running backs. That's bad business. Why? Because it's very easy to get good, cheap running backs in the draft. And paying running backs, usually by their sixth, seventh year, beside like Derrick Henry, they get shittier. They get injured. A lot of wear and tear. So they didn't want to lose either guy. So the easiest move was, in their mind, extend Daniel Jones and franchise Saquon Barkley. The problem is... They paid a $50 million premium to do that because Daniel Jones got $82 million essentially guaranteed. It's like a two-year $82 million. That's what the contract is to me. I, never, I don't care about average per year. All that shit is fluff. Whatever your guaranteed money is dictates how long you are on the team and how long your, your security on the team. So when I give him $82 million, essentially like $40 million a year for a couple of years, and Saquon, who, because he's a really good player, I, they were they probably don't want to give a long-term deal to. There have been some reports they do, but it's just you would pay him $10 million a year on a, on a yearly basis, no problem. The franchise tag for Daniel Jones would have been $32 million. We can't franchise them both. So clearly they wanted to get DJ done so they could franchise Saquon and get them both under the squad and then figure it out moving forward. The problem on this if you would have if you would have franchised Saquon Barkley at $10 million, 
and let Daniel Jones hit the open market. Is anyone giving him the contract the Giants just gave him? Is anyone giving him $82 million guaranteed? Derek Carr, who is coming off a rough year, has a career resume that blows Daniel Jones out of the fucking water. Got $70 million. So DJ got $12 million more in guarantees than Derek Carr. Derek Carr throws the ball better than him. Now, you could argue there's still a lot of untapped potential, whatever. I can't see anyone giving Daniel Jones more than 50, 60 million dollars. Geno Smith, who just had a dramatically better season than Daniel Jones, got a little over 50 million dollars guaranteed. I think that's more like his market. So this is the balance of sometimes being unemotional with players. And I'm not even necessarily blaming Dayball and Joe Shane, because I think they've proven to be really good. And one of the reasons Dayball won the coach of the year, obviously they made the playoffs, was because how average his roster was, how bad Daniel Jones had been, and then he took that group of players, Saquon healthy, to the playoffs. It's like, God, this guy can really get guys to overachieve. Well, if your coach can get guys to overachieve, that means you can pick and choose who to pay. And to me, Daniel Jones like, is much more of a replaceable player than Saquon Barkley. But to pay, and I, and I understand not wanting to give Saquon Barkley, like, extend him at $30, $40 million guaranteed and then franchise Daniel Jones, but that is still cheaper than what they did with Daniel Jones, who, let's face it, still needs to prove he can do this more than one season. And this is a classic, and Michael Lombardi and his podcast has talked about it. I saw it when I was on the Eagles. The Giants get very emotional about their players, the ownership, guys that represent them well, guys that just, it, the New York market's very difficult. And these two guys clearly are pretty impressive players. They wanted to keep them both. I don't blame them for wanting to keep them both. I cannot give Daniel Jones, based on one season, $82 million in guaranteed and call myself a high-level business, a, a good operation. That, that, that's just, that, that that's embarrassing. <laughs> no way around it. Okay, before we dive into McVeigh and the Rams, trading Stafford, can I tell you about my friends at RexMD? Over 30 million men in the U.S. tackle erectile dysfunction every day. The doctors at RexMD evaluate you online. No office visit needed. You never have to sit in a waiting room. You never have to be embarrassed with people looking at you. You just go online, get with a doctor, they take care of you. And here's the thing. Unlike other brands, RexMD is FDA-approved, clinically tested, and U.S.-licensed pharmacy. You'll be getting FDA-approved erectile dysfunction treatments at a 90% cheaper rate than the doctors. Yes, 90% cheaper. It's fast, simple, and cheap. You can access your U.S.-licensed RexMD physician anytime you need afterwards. Very easy, all online. Act now to take advantage of their best deal by heading to RexMD.com slash 3 out. Our exclusive deal will save up to 90% off where you'll pay as low as $2 per dose on generic Viagra instead of $90 plus on Viagra. Starter packs of generic Viagra or Cialis are now available for our listeners to get started. That's rexmd.com slash three and out for up to 90% off plus a free gift. Your partner will thank you later. One thing I saw when John Gruden came back to the Raiders. And, and this was always the knock on him with his first stint with the Raiders and then with Tampa. 
I think, ironically, because Al, they worked together. Al Davis had this. George Steinbrenner had this. Some executives or coaches or owners can be very fickle and can be very herky-jerky and can can turn on people and, and players fast. And I think part of being a good coach, being a good executive, being good really in any industry, sometimes you got to have some patience. And sometimes you have to, and this goes back to the Lamar situation, if you're having success, still be able to separate the success and what's best for the long-term health of the business or if this is a good decision. Because it's easy to make prudent decisions sometimes when you're struggling. Uh, sometimes you know you can look past it when you're having success and vice versa. Sometimes you make desperate decisions when you're struggling and they can all come back to bite you in the ass. It's why when you see Belichick, you know, when you see, I think Andy Reid's the great example of this now, there's a consistency to them. You know, it's it's not just patience, but it's just, I'm not trying to sprint every single day. And listen, I, I think sometimes when you're younger, uh, we naturally can be a little more impatient. And I, I think, I know this, personally speaking, as I've aged, I, I've become more patient, become more patient. I think a big part of that is perspective and just understanding that not everything is the end of the world. And not everything has to happen immediately, even in the the world we live in in 2023. So when I see that Michael Lombardi report that Matt Stafford can be traded, I go, you know, there there is a herky-jerky nature. When it comes to the Rams, it's it's not just less need. You know, they are a Sean McVay operation. Everything that happens with them, with their coaches, and definitely their roster, he's signing off on. So... When they get rid of Jared Goff, when they sign Allen Robinson, when they trade for Stafford and then they extend them, these are he's all behind this, giving double thumbs up. So a year later, after they win the Super Bowl and they give this guy a massive extension, for them to be thinking about trading him, McVay already sour on the guy? It's starting to feel like Sean McVay has some LeBron James tendencies. I think Sean McVay is an excellent football coach, just like LeBron James, one of the greatest athletes of my lifetime. But do any two humans sour on, in LeBron's case, teammates? Now, he's also the pseudo general manager. In Sean's case, his players faster than those two? That one day they love you, one day they need you, and the next day they can't wait to kick you to the curve? It's pretty crazy. And listen, it's sports. Some guys have bad games. Some guys have bad seasons. But just last year, Sean McVay was pounding the table for Allen Robinson. They gave him $15 million a year. Now they can't wait to get rid of him. Sean, you know, Matt Stafford, here's the thing. Clearly, he's got some elbow issues, right? He had him last year, was leading the league in interceptions. The entire league knows that. If you're listening to this on March 10th, in seven days, Matt Stafford is guaranteed, if he's on the roster, $57 million. So you're basically giving him $60 million. Anyone who trades for him has to give him $60 million guarantee it. We just saw Matt Ryan, who obviously is not as talented at this point in time in his career, but just on the other end, making a lot of money, and it was a disaster. I don't think there's any team in the league with the concern about his elbow that is trading for him at that price point. But what led, what uncertainty has changed since a year ago today? And Sean McVay has to find a way to be a little more patient with his operation because he just turns on these guys. It gets out there and then, you know, it just becomes an enormous story. 
and they're they're going to get to the point where there's no turning back you know and i commended them i like most people it worked trading picks for players jalen ramsey trading for matt stafford it, it worked they constantly had success but this constant just like getting rid of guys and souring on guys is not a sustainable way to operate you, you just especially when you're paying them large amounts of money because sometimes you're going to get stuck with these players. And I think Sean McVay, one thing he has to mature on as he gets older, if he stays as a coach and doesn't leave to the broadcasting profession, is to find a way to get a little more patient. Because right now, when things stop going well, which as they did last year, this is not going to be a sustainable model. If I was a Jets fan right now, I would be pretty excited. Because not only does all signs point to us getting Aaron Rodgers, it feels like we might not even need to give up our first round pick to get him. And this gets back to the Stafford thing, a huge variable in Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers' contract right now was $28 million, the rate, a, a ton of other teams would be involved. But you're basically giving him $60 million the moment you trade for him. And that's what you're going to have to pay him. And it's a complicated situation. But because of his contract, it makes him actually a little easier for them to acquire. And I had recently a Colts fan shot me a DM. And he's like, do you think we should just sit where we're at instead of trading up to get a quarterback? Because when you look at all the recent history of uh, teams that traded up to get quarterbacks from RG3 to Trey Lance to Carson Wentz, a lot of them have backfired. And when you've looked at teams that just stood pat, right? The Chargers are a good example. They just waited. Justin Herbert fell in their lap. And now they're doing cartwheels every single day because Justin Herbert's on their team. Hell, even... Belichick didn't budge, got Mac Jones, not the biggest fan of, but he didn't have to trade any assets to get him. Justin Fields and Trey Lance, beside the two picks that were used, traded a total of three first-round picks to move up to get those two guys. So when you trade a lot of first-round picks for quarterbacks, one, there's no guarantee in football using a first-round pick on a quarterback is ever going to work. The Jets know very well. They just used the number two overall pick on Zach Wilson a couple years ago. It's been a disaster. What's funny is I was I was on a walk the other day and I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast. And for those of you that don't know, I know DJ because when I first got hired with the Eagles, DJ was on the staff. And then when I became the West Coast scout, the reason I became it is because DJ had been the West Coast scout. He took the job with the NFL Network. And I he, he was telling me he was pushing for me to get that job. I begged and pleaded and I got the job and we've been buddies ever since. And I text him. I'm like, because in their podcast, they were talking about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I'm like, when you first came into the NFL, and that's like 20 years ago, do you think that guys like Levis and Anthony Richardson, what round would they have gone in? Like the fourth? And he's like, yeah, best. And obviously the world has changed. And guys, we're talking 20 years ago, those guys are fourth, fifth round picks. And now these guys, both guys are going to be top 10 draft picks. So there's no guarantee with anything with a quarterback. So if I'm a Jets fan, Clearly, the Packers are moving on. Don't blame them. Time for Jordan Love. Start a new era. Aaron Rodgers, 39. Let's just go our separate ways. But this notion that they're a little desperate, well, they, yeah, that's true. But getting Aaron Rodgers, who still is very healthy and has played one, two MVPs in the last three years, like I, you just can't do any better unless you're going to end up with fucking Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert. And the chances of that happening in the draft, you just thought it was going to happen with Zach Wilson. And it's the complete opposite. The guy can't complete a, a pass. I mean, the guy can't throw a slant route. If Aaron Rodgers is on your team in the next week, 
it's it's got to be one of the great moments, even if it's just a short term thing, even if it only lasts a year or two. That excitement dwarfs you guys getting Brett Favre years ago because of how well this guy is playing. And if he signs off on this, he's going to have a lot to prove. A lot of people are going to be betting against him. Uh, I personally think there's a very good chance of it working. Now, the one concern would be is that one knock last year was like, you know, it took a while for them to get going because he's not great with young players. And it took a while for Christian Watson, who by the end of the season looked really good. Right. And Josh and not Joshua Dobbs, but uh, Romeo Dobbs, whoever the wide receiver from Nevada. It just took a little time. Like he kept throwing to uh, Randall Cobb. He is going to be immediately dealing with two younger players. Right. The, the Ohio State wide receiver, Wilson and Elijah Moore. Now, third and second year guys. But this is not exactly Jordan, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams in year seven and ten. So. If that to me is the question mark, will he play in the offseason? I would mandate that if I was the Jets, even though you quote unquote can't mandate. It's like, listen, Aaron, no problem giving you a lot of money. No problem making this trade. We're just going to need you to come in OTAs and work with our guys. But if you get them, like I, I think you immediately have to put the Jets as, you know, a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl contender. A lot of unknowns. Like I, I wouldn't have them above, obviously, the Chiefs. The, the Bengals or the Bills, but I'd like their chances. I'd like their chances a lot. And last but not least, I think the Geno contract was incredible for a lot of reasons. One, and I talked about this the other day on the podcast, it's cool when a guy, it takes him a little while to fulfill his dreams or fulfill his potential. I actually think it's very relatable. Most of us, no matter what business you're in, don't just strike oil in, you know immediately in your profession. In pro sports, if you have a 15-year career, you know, by the time you get to year 7, 8, 10, right, in that range, like it feels like you've been in the league a long time. And Geno Smith came in the league a long time ago, and it took him till last year to have a big-time season, and then he got paid. But I think part of the reason Seattle felt very comfortable about giving him $50 million, which compared to Daniel Jones, he threw double the amount of touchdowns as Daniel Jones. Now, we could argue they got much better receivers, whatever, but still, like, Geno Smith, much more explosive passer than Daniel Jones for $30 million less. Is that Geno immediately went on record and said, if they draft a guy, I will I will immediately mentor him and do whatever I have to do. Guy like Geno Smith, and I said this like Alex Smith, they are the ideal bridge quarterbacks. Now you got to pay him a little more than like the $10 million guy, obviously. But one, you can win with them. Or in Seattle's like win big, probably not, but they can make a wild card again, no problem. And two, they are great influences on what Seattle's probably going to draft an Anthony Richardson, a Will Levis. I would put money on that. And that guy is going to be able to redshirt. And that guy is going to be able to watch a guy who has seen good times, got paid $50 million, and seen shitty times, been cut, been made fun of, hasn't been very good. And that guy has not just perspective, but just an understanding of what it takes and can give them a lot of different areas of advice, right? Not just this is what it's like to be a 40 million, you know, what what could Peyton Manning really tell a backup quarterback beside how to kick ass, take names and print cash? You know, I'm here to dominate. It's not really that relatable to the majority of guys besides like being a good guy. I'm not saying he can't relate, but from a football perspective, most quarterbacks who backed up Peyton Manning, couldn't do what he did on the field and w- could never relate to the wealth and the power he had in the organization. Gino's coming at that from a completely different perspective. 
It's why I think Alex Smith was an incredible mentor. Listen, having Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger tell you about stocks is awesome. But having a guy that like lost it all in the 08 crash and then battled back to be successful by the end of you know the decade and by 2019 had built back up his portfolio, I want to talk to that guy. Like, I want to find out what he did, right? I want to find out about his mindset. Like, th- there's a lot to be learned there. So I, I think Seattle uh, not only did the right thing by resigning him, but now is in an incredible position to draft a quarterback really high and let him sit and let him learn and, and let him just kind of figure it out. Now, there's no guarantee that that guy's going to be any good, but he's going to be in a situation where not only is he nurtured, he gets to watch, but it's not uncomfortable. And any young person, and I say this all the time, think about the whatever job you have that day when you walk in for the first time. It's kind of intimidating. You don't know that many people. You don't, you don't really know how the day's going to go. You don't really know where the bathroom is. You don't, you know, you just kind of got to feel your way out. Even that first six months, there's just a feeling out process. And anytime, and anyone who's listening to this can relate to like when you meet someone who is in a position of authority, who takes you under your wing, how easy it is to become comfortable fast. How easy it is to, when I moved to Philadelphia, I had lived in California my entire life. Right when I moved there, a couple younger guys on staff who were above me in the pecking order. Still friends with them today. They're crushing it. I mean, they're both of them having a lot of success. And it's just easier to transition into a new job when you have people to lean on. And I, I think Gino is going to be that guy for Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. And uh, I, while Seattle, like to me, Seattle's winning nine or 10 games next year, especially when you look at the landscape of the NFC. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great weekend. Talk to everyone soon. See ya. <laughs>
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.